Episode 34 Myoclonus is characterized by sudden involuntary muscle contraction and relaxation that result in movements of the limb and joint. It can be occur uh, it can be due to genetic disorder seizures and medication and prolonged hypoxia. Patient with post hypoxic myoclonus which is a secondary form of the myoclonus that commonly occurs after cardiac arrest. This post hypoxic myoclonus is basically of two types acute and chronic. Myoclonus status epilepticus is acute form of post-hypoxic myoclonus that typically develops within 24 hours after initial hypoxemic insult while the patient is still unconscious. It is characterized by generalized, often symmetric myoclonus that typically involves axial, limb and facial muscles. Intermittent eye opening, upward gaze deviation and swallowing movement are also common. Persistent myoclonus status epilepticus is considered as marker of poor prognosis. So if this myoclonus status epilepticus is for a longer duration, then it is a marker of poor prognosis. Okay, you have to remember it is generalized and it is occurring 20, within 24 hours after the insult. Next is the Lance Adams syndrome, the chronic form of uh, post-hypoxemic myoclonus. So you have to remember the name Lance Adams syndrome. Presence days to weeks after initial insult once the patient has regained consciousness. So, this is occurring after the patient has regained consciousness, after days to weeks. Okay, and it is typically focal in nature. It is not generalized. Exhibition by action, negative relaxation, myoclonus also occurs, leading to patient to drop the objects or fall. Okay, patient himself drops the objects or he falls by himself. Okay, an electroencephalogram should be obtained to help distinguish between other forms of the seizures and post-hypoxemic myoclonus. So for differentiation of the seizure and other post-hypoxemic myoclonus, we do electroencephalogram, EEG. The management of both acute and chronic forms involves administration of anti-epileptic medications such as clonazepine, levetiracetam and supportive care. Critical illness polyneuropathy com commonly occurs after a prolonged stay in the intensive care unit but is characterized by peripheral weakness and reduced reflex. Okay, so this critical illness polyneuropathy can again occur after prolonged intensive care unit. But in this, we will have peripheral weakness and reduced reflexes. Medications such as satins and colchicin may cause myotoxicity and result in rhabdomyolysis. In addition, prolonged immobility due to therapeutic use of the paralytic agent can cause compression of the muscles, causing ischemia and necrosis. So you have to remember that statin and colchicin can cause rhabdomyolysis but if there is prolonged immobility then also the paralytic agents can cause muscle compression and schema necrosis. However, uh, symptoms may include muscle tenderness, weakness but not the myoclonus. Antipsychotic drugs such as haloperidol and antiemetic medications such as metaclopramide are causing the extrapyramidal side effects. So you have to remember extrapyramidal side effect can be caused by aeroperidol which is antipsychotic medication and antiemetic metaclopramide. Result in involuntary muscle contraction, dystonia or motor restlessness, akathasia. However, akathasia would occur would only occur in awake patient and dystonia typically results in sustained contractions that are usually quite distinguishable from the myoclonus. Example, torticollis and chorea. Muscle denervations can also occur in neurodegenerative disorders such as ALS and post-polio syndrome and spinobulbar muscular atrophy, resulting in fasciculation rather than myoclonus. So in muscle denervation, there is fasciculation, not the myoclonus because these are the lower motor neuron lesions. Fasciculations 
usually results on, uh, result only in visible twitching of the muscles without movement of the joint so only if muscle twitching is there but no joint movement is there then it is fasciculation not the myoclonus so you should remember the difference between myoclonus and fasciculation next this patient has an acute exhibition of multiple sclerosis and autoimmune inflammatory demyelinating disorders of the central nervous system. Multiple sclerosis typically present in women aged 15 to 50 with neurologic deficit, ataxia, diplopia, vertigo, pronated drift. So this pronated drift can be seen in multiple sclerosis. Initially, what I used to think was that this pronated drift is a sign of pyramidal tract syndrome. But yeah, multiple sclerosis can involve the pyramidal tract and therefore the pronated drift can be there in that disseminated in time and space mri of the brain demonstrate multifocal overt hyper intense white matter lesions okay so there is hyper intense white matter lesions in the cns particularly around the ventricles that is periventricular areas subpile white matters of the cerebrum corpus callosum and optic nerves spine brain spinal brain spinal cord and brain stems so these are the site where this uh, periventricular inflammation can be there or subpilin white matter deposition of cerebrum optic nerves brainstem and spinal cord once the diagnosis is established the patient with an acute attack and disabling symptoms are treated with high dose intravenous glucocorticoid that is methylprednisone okay plasma exchange is indicated in those who don't respond to glucocorticoid so first you have to give the intravenous glucocorticoid okay for the patient who are having acute attack and if it doesn't work then you have to give plasma exchange other immunomodulators such as interferon beta natalizumab gliteramar are used for long-term suppression so basically if they are asking like what we should initiate so we should initiate methylprednisone which is iv glucocorticoid then plasma exchange and then other immunomodulators such as the beta interferon natalizumab and gliteramar for long-term suppression acetazolamide is a carbonic anhydrase inhibitor that can be used for the treatment of intracranial pressure elevated in patients with the pseudotumor cerebri and it reduces the cerebrospinal fluid production Patients tends to be obese and usually have headache, transient visual changes and bilateral papillary edema. Brain imaging is usually normal in case of idiopathic intracranial hypertension. Aspirin and statins are appropriate for the secondary, primary and secondary prevention of ischemic stroke, which is more likely to present with permanent neurologic deficit in older individuals with multiple vascular risk factors. Okay, so this is... Uh, Okay, so in ischemic, so we see that there is whitish deposition in the MRI. All right, yeah, MRI normally demonstrate ischemic stroke uh, changes in the vascular distribution. Okay, IV heparin can be used to treat the dural venous sinuses thrombosis. If dural sinus thrombosis is there, then for that we use IV heparin. Okay, which typically occurs in patients with hypercoagulable conditions such as those who are using oral contraceptive pills or pregnancy or malignancy, because using contraceptives, pregnancy and malignancy. These three conditions are hypercoagulable state and present with headache, signs and symptoms of elevated intracranial pressure, papillary edema, impaired consciousness and nausea vomiting. So elevated intracranial pressure, papillary edema, impaired consciousness and nausea vomiting will be there. Vitamin B12 deficiency is typically associated with subacute combined degeneration of the spinal cord which, uh, which presents with uh, progressive symmetric sensory loss, paresthesias, sensory ataxias and muscle weakness. It can be found in long-standing vaginism but would take many years to occur okay and echocardiography would be appropriate uh, when there is concern of uh, cardioembolic stroke so for that we go for echocardiography okay due to atrial fibrillations which tends to uh, occur at the gray white junctions not the periventricular location in multiple sclerosis 
patients typically have sudden onset of the neurologic deficits that may follow a spluttering course lumbar puncture is typically performed in the patients with suspected multiple sclerosis when the diagnosis is not completely clear csf is typically showing the oligoclonal igg band in case of multiple sclerosis it is not necessary in the in this patients with clinic classic clinical and radiographic findings so if you see that uh, classic clinical and radiographic finding are there then we don't have to do any other investigation such as the uh, csf or lumbar puncture okay next question is about wernicke's encephalopathy associated conditions are chronic alcoholism is the most common condition malnutrition that is anorexia nervosa and hyperemesis gravidarum so wernicke's encephalopathy can be seen in chronic alcoholism malnutrition anorexia, anorexia nervosa and hyperemesis gravidarum pathophysiology because of thiamine deficiency clinical features are encephalopathy oculomotor disturbances where we see horizontal nystagmus and bilateral abducens palsy postural and gait ataxia when can also be there so encephalopathy oculomotor dysfunctions and gait ataxia treatment includes intravenous thymine followed by glu glucose infusion so first we have to give intravenous thymine and then we have to give glucose so this patient with crohn's disease with multiple small bowel resections complicated by significant weight loss a finding suggesting of malnutrition so you have to rule out whether there any malnutrition in this question by the clinical features okay she develops altered mental status and lateral gaze palsy limited eye abduction is there so that means lateral gaze palsy is there with horizontal nystagmus and a wide base gait is there receiving intravenous fluid okay which raises a suspicion for the wernicke encephalopathy if lateral gaze palsy horizontal nystagmus wide gaze gait is there then it can be and malnutrition then it can be wernicke encephalopathy wernicke encephalopathy is a neurologic complications of thiamine deficiency it classically manifests as triad of ataxia encephalopathy lethargy and disorientation and ocular dysfunctions such as nystagmus and gaze palsies it is usually associated with long standing alcohol abuse however wernicke encephalopathy can be associated with any form of the chronic malnutrition such as shotgun short gut syndrome and anorexia so yeah uh, in chronic malnutrition short gut syndrome and anorexia hydrogenic we hydrogenic uh, wernicke encephalopathy can be precipitated by malnutrition patient precipitated in malnutrition patient by administration of dextrose okay so which is present uh, in this patient likely receiving the maintenance fluid so if someone is receiving maintenance fluid that is he is receiving glucose before receiving the vitamin b1 then this encephalopathy can be precipitated which depletes the last remaining source of thiamine a cofactor of the enzyme involved in glucose metabolism so if that is also used okay therefore uh, no diagnostic laboratory studies can confirm the wernicke encephalopathy however or uh, the um, one must supplement the thiamine uh, okay prior to administration of the glucose okay and if uh, thiamine supplementations improves the suspected findings then it is uh, confirmatory diagnosis kurzkopf syndromes and late stage complication of wernicke encephalopathy is characterized by significant retrograde and anterograde amnesia so both type of amnesia is there often present with confabulations like filling of the gap with any sort of words up to 80% of the patients with alcohol use disorders who have wernicke encephalopathy develop kurzkopf syndromes however it occurs less frequently in wernicke encephalopathy patients who are non abusers okay next is immune mediated demyelination occurs in variety of disease such as dbs and multiple sclerosis dbs is characterized by rapid rapidly progressive ascending paralysis with hyporeflexia multiple sclerosis and neurologic deficit diplopia focal weakness bowel bladder dysfunction disseminated in time and space okay yeah alternate alternations is rare and occurs subacutely in severe diseases medication in 
induce delirium is common with the anticholinergic and benzodiazepine and opioids medications but it is not expected with vancomycin although delirium is associated with confusion disorientation and focal neurologic deficit are unexpected bacteria for bacterial fungal meningoencephalitis can cause neurologic deficit and alternations but they are typically associated with fever headache and meninges symptoms of vertigo vestibular artery occlusions are depending on the areas involved often causes ataxia and alternations However, develop diplopia, hemiparesis, and paraparesis, and Wallenberg syndrome, that is loss of the pain and temperatures in the ipsilateral face and contralateral body, are common with vertebrovascular artery occlusion. In addition, the cerebellar examination, finger, nose, ten, and Hale-Sheen tests will be positive in vertebrovascular insufficiency. Okay, artery occlusions. Okay, now let's talk about myasthenia gravis. So, clinical features of myasthenia gravis is fluctuating and fatigable muscular weakness. proximal muscle weakness to be specific or ocular weakness such as diplopia and ptosis bulbar weakness that is dysphagia and dysarthria and respiratory weakness in, which is mainly seen in myasthenia crisis causes of exacerbation medication such as antibiotic fluoroquinolone aminoglycoside and neuromuscular blocking agent and cardiac medication such as beta blocker magnesium sulfate and penicillin so the medication which can cause myasthenia gravis is fluoroquinolone aminoglycoside neuromuscular blocking agent cardio uh, beta blockers magnesium sulfate and penicillin physiologic stress pregnancy and childbirth surgery especially thymectomy uh, and infections can also exacerbate the myasthenia gravis diagnosis is made uh, for diagnosis eye spec test is done at the best site and also acetylcholine esterase receptor antibody which is highly specific ct scan of the chest can show thymoma treatment is done with ac ac inhibitors that is pyridostigmine uh, plus minus immunotherapy such as glucocorticoid and azathioprine can be used along with that we can also do thymectomy so this patient with episodic diplopia and proximal muscle weakness likely has myasthenia gravis myasthenia gravis is characterized by autopantibody directed at the presynaptic neuromuscular junctions sorry postsynaptic neuromuscular junction okay so if since i made a mistake that will help you remember it for a longer time so that was postsynaptic okay resulting in fluctuating fatigable mass fluctuating muscular fatigable weakness most prominent in ocular that is ptosis and diplopia okay but diplopia is more significant you should remember that bulbar and dysphagia and dysarthria facial such as myasthenic sneer and proximal difficulty holding the hand above the head or lifting the arms muscles weakness typically worsens with the activity such as cycling and improves with rest therefore the examination may normally normal if repetitive motions are not performed okay Pyridostigmine is a long-acting acetylcholine esterase inhibitor used for the initial treatment of choice. It provides rapid symptomatic relief by inhibiting the acetylcholine degradations and increasing the acetylcholine availability at the neuromuscular junctions. Patients who are remain symptomatic despite of pyridostigmine therapy requires the chronic immunosuppressive therapy such as corticosteroid and azathioprine, which may induce remission but general generally takes weeks to uh, reach clinical efficiency. Efficacy, okay. Thymectomy is associated with the long-term clinical improvement, but may cause transient uh, or worsening symptoms. That is myasthenic crisis with respiratory failure. So patients should continue to receive pyridostigmine and immunosuppression therapy pre-op perioperatively. Graded exercise programs are useful for decongestioning, and supervised exercise programs are helpful for claudications. These conditions. could uh, affects the patient's a patient's ability to exercise but would not cause uh, 
would not explain his diplopia or intermittent arm and neck weakness okay so in graded uh, exercise you only see that uh, he might have uh, the conditions of uh, like muscle weakness but not the diplopia and other features okay hydroxychloroquine is used for sle which typically present with rash oral ulcers and renal failure and joint pain fluctuating mu muscle weakness is atypical okay in patient with myasthenia gravis hydroxychloroquine is one of the medication associated with worsening weakness and should be avoided beta interferon beta 1a is used for multiple sclerosis which is a neurologic uh, in which uh, weakness incontinence discrete neuro non contagious domains are involved the symptoms typically occurs over days to weeks and would not be expected to fluctuate fluctuate through the day or with activity in multiple sclerosis so that's not the thing rilozole is indicated for als okay and we know what is als statin myopathy can cause the mild weakness and uh, however the weakness would not fluctuate diplopia would be unusual and muscle pain and tenderness on examination is more typical for the myasthenia gravis only okay now let's discuss something interesting that is uh, whenever there is a hemorrhage in the brain so how the particular site and its clinical features are manifested okay so if basal ganglia hemorrhage is there then we see that contralateral hemiparesis and hemisensory loss is there homonomous hemianopsia and gaze palsy so if basal ganglia is involved and contralateral hemiparesis and hemisensory loss homonomous hemianopsia and gaze palsy if cerebellum is involved usually no hemiparesis is there okay and uh, facial weakness ataxia and astigmas occipital headache and neck stiffness would be there if cerebellum is involved occipital headache neck stiffness ataxia and astigmas facial weakness but no hemiparesis if thalamus is involved contralateral hemiparesis and hemisensory loss non-reactive mitotic pupils upgaze palsy and eye deviated towards the hemiparesis eye is deviated towards the hemiparesis okay and contralateral hemiparesis and hemisensory loss non-reactive uh, mitotic pupil and upgaze palsy if uh, cerebral lobe uh, cerebral lobe was involved then you contralateral hemiparesis that is frontal lobe contralateral hemisensory loss because of parietal lobe homonomous hemianopia because of occipital lobe i deviated from away from the hemiparesis site okay okay so in thalamus i is deviated towards the hemiparesis site so t is thalamus e is for towards okay and uh, in eye deviation away from the hemiparesis it is seen in cerebellar one okay cerebral one not bellar eye incidence of seizure is there in cerebral Pons where deep uh, coma or total paralysis within minutes occurs and there will be pinpoint pupil. So for Pons, we have to remember the pinpoint pupil. Okay. So the patient with hypertensive intraparenchymal brain hemorrhage, which typically present with sudden focal neurologic deficit with gradual worsening over the minutes to hours. This is in contrast with the subarachnoid hemorrhage and embolic stroke, which in which, whose symptom severity is maximum at the time of onset only. Okay. The ischemic stroke is uh, in which the symptoms uh, classically progress in shuttered fashion okay stuttered uh, stuttering fashion basically remember that okay symptoms often occurs during the ac routine activity and may be precipitated by exertion jogging on treadmill as the hemorrhage expands the headache vomiting and seizures if the lobar an altered mental status can develop all right hypertensive hemorrhage are generally involved involve these small uh, seems small penetrating arteries that are responsible for the lacuna strokes most frequently affected location includes the basal ganglia that is putamen and cerebellar nuclei thalamus and pons putaminal hemorrhage almost always involves the adjacent internal capsule this leads to contralateral hemiparesis and hemianesthesia due to disruption of the corticospinal and sensory somatosensory fibers in the posterior limb 
and conjugate gate deviations towards the side of the lesion due to damage to the frontal eye field afferent in the anterior limb as in this patient with left eye deviation towards the lesion so that indicates the conjugate gaze deviation okay towards the side of the lesion cerebellar hemorrhage presents with occipital headache nausea vomiting dizziness cerebellar signs such as ataxia and dysmetria and they usually do not have hemiparesis early diagnosis is essential as emergency decompression can be life saving embolic and thrombotic occlusions of the proximal medial cerebral artery are caused by are can cause the cerebral ischemia okay cerebral ischemia with contralateral hemiparesis hemi anesthesias and conjugate gaze deviation towards the lesion okay now where this patient's headache and sudden focal neurologic deficit that worsens uh, is more consistent with the hemorrhage not the embolic or thrombotic stroke okay if the situation is worsening then it is because of hemorrhage and if situation was there and it just suddenly stopped then it is because of embolic and thrombotic occlusions lower hemorrhage typically occurs in adult more than 60 due to amyloid angiopathy hemorrhage tends to be recurrent and most often involves the occipital that is homonomous hemiparesis hemianopsia or the parietal lobes that is contralateral hemisensory loss manifestations would be limited to involve low unlike this patient okay medial medullary syndrome occurs from the branch of the occlusion of the vertebral artery that is anterior spinal artery it presents with contralateral paralysis of the arm and the leg that is lateral corticospinal tract and contralateral loss of the position sense that is dorsal column medial lemniscus and tongue deviations towards the side of the lesion that is hypoglossal nerve so this hypoglossal nerve is important for anterior spinal artery lesion and medial medullary syndrome the midbrain ischemic strokes typically presents with ipsilateral oculomotor nerve palsy is ataxia due to damage of the superior cerebellar peduncle and contralateral hemiparesis cerebellar peduncle the pontine arteries arise of the basilar arteries to supply the pons and bilateral pontine hemorrhage typically present with coma due to disruption of the reticular activating system total paralysis corticospinal tract and corticovalvular tract and pinpoint pupil descending tract symptoms or descending tract sympathetic tracts if involved then we see pinpoint pupil also with pontine hemorrhage so this is all about this lecture i hope you like it thank you for listening